Law is more than the policeman on the corner, more than the courthouse where our laws are enforced, more than the jail where lawbreakers are punished. In your whole community, there are customs and moral codes which guide your actions. What social controls affect you? The traditional Fourth Amendment line has been drawn between sort of a private space and a public space. If you were just walking on the street, the police don't need to get a search warrant. Here we go. There on the right-hand side. Yeah. Hello, Mr. Camera. This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Like the people driving down the street in front of my house, I drive a lot. Going out to report on stories, running errands, the usual stuff. I assume nobody can really keep track of where I'm going or what I'm doing. It's my life and it's private. But if I really take a look around, there are cameras posted on the stores and on street poles. I don't even think to ask who's recording and what they're going to do with that video. Reporter Cyrus Faravar has been wondering about those cameras too. And what he found out is upsetting. Here's Cyrus. If it weren't for the photograph, Mike Katzlikabe probably wouldn't remember getting out of his car on November 14th, 2009. The timing was just magnificent where my daughters and I were getting out of the car in our driveway, and there is a very clear image of that. You can recognize all of us getting out of the car in the driveway. The photograph was taken by the San Leandro, California police. Or more accurately, by an automatic camera that sits on the top of a San Leandro patrol car and constantly snaps pictures of cars in the city. Mike Katzlikabe has never been convicted of a crime. He's not a suspect in any case. I'm a father of two children, married for 20-plus years, resident of San Leandro. I work in the computer industry. He's been on the school board since 2006. In his spare time, he enjoys hiking with his daughters. And yet, the San Leandro Police Department has what amounts to a family photo album of him and his car. More than 100 pictures have been taken between 2008 and 2010. There was one of me by the library. There was one of my car parked in front of a friend's house. And if you drive a car and live in an American city, well, your local police department probably has an album of you too. License plate reader technology has been around since the 1980s. But about a decade ago, police and other law enforcement in the U.S. started using license plate readers to track cars. These specialized cameras scan every single car that passes in front of the camera in any direction. And they do it crazy fast, too. 60 plates per second. The camera automatically checks the license plate against a hot list of stolen cars. Police can use that information to pull a car over. Or sometimes they just keep the information. Sometimes forever. So the effectiveness of our current license plate readers... Sandra Spagnoli is police chief in San Leandro. At a city council meeting last fall, she explained how the city council has been using its three license plate readers. In January 2013, we had a wanted felon arrested after we got a hit from the license plate reader in um, identifying that a sex offender over a period of a year had been violating his terms of probation by running his license plate and found that he was several times located at or near a park where youth were um, playing 
which was a violation of his parole or probation. So it is an effective tool. She says using cameras has helped reduce crime all over the Bay Area. Some of the other Bay Area cities that are using license plate readers and public safety cameras are San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Fairfield, Martinez, and Richmond, the city of Pittsburgh, and looking at their system. Since 2005, overall violent crime has declined about 47%. The question, as with much of law enforcement, is how to balance protecting a community with protecting our constitutional right to privacy. Does it invade reasonable expectations of privacy for the police to monitor our whereabouts when we're in public spaces? Linda Lai is an attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union of Northern California. We were driving around looking for license plate readers. It didn't take us long before we found the cameras pointed down at her car mounted on overhead poles. So there's one facing in both directions. Are you waving? Yeah. Hello, Mr. Camera. <laughs> Welcome, Piedmont is a neighborhood watch community. Okay. It's a really fascinating um, intellectual and constitutional question. Does privacy in public space exist? Right. And, you know, civil liberties advocates really argue vehemently, yes. Her argument is that somebody like Mike Katzlikabe has a right to privacy, even if he's standing on the sidewalk, and that I should have that right too, even if I drive down the street. Just because I'm outside my private house doesn't mean I've surrendered all rights to the state to be monitored um, and tracked as I go about my daily life engaging in no wrongdoing whatsoever, and in some cases engaging in constitutionally protected activity. The Fourth Amendment, that's the one that protects us from illegal search and seizure, is usually interpreted to mean that there is no reasonable expectation of privacy in public. In 1983, the Supreme Court said that, quote, a person traveling in an automobile on public thoroughfares has no reasonable expectation of privacy in his movements from one place to another. License plates are obviously visible in public, so in theory, it's totally fine to use machines to capture information about a license plate. Even if those machines capture that information orders of magnitude faster than any person could. There have been a number of lawsuits that uphold the use of license plate readers, and many in law enforcement see no problem with them. In 2006, a New York state agency told local police it saw, quote, no impediment to the use of a license plate reader by law enforcement. But three years later, the International Association of Chiefs of Police warned that license plate readers could raise privacy issues. The group advised law enforcement to restrict use of the data to what it calls official use only. Linda Lai says her biggest worry is about the so-called mosaic theory. That's the idea that you can get a pretty clear picture of a person by putting together lots of small bits of information about them. You know, sometimes the sum is greater than the parts, um, and a mosaic reveals so much more information than an individual tile. The reason why technology radically changes the privacy calculus is because the um, through technology, you can amass massive uh, uh, amount of information, detailed information about people's lives, where they go, their habits, when they depart from their habits, who they spend time with, where they spend their time. Um, did they, are they, you know, like clockwork? Do they go home at eight o'clock every night, but then 
every now and then on a Friday evening, they don't go home at eight o'clock. Um, or um, on Sunday morning, they're a faithful churchgoer, but, act- but then a few Sundays they don't go to church. So what does this tell us about infidelities, about medical conditions, about political associations? Before license plate readers, the only way for the cops to know where any of us were at any given time was to notice us or my license plate and somehow make a record of it, something that rarely, if ever, happened. Now, though, cops can get a fairly accurate, if rough, picture of where we've been over time. That can be useful if you're trying to find out where a bad guy hangs out or whether an alibi holds water, but it could also let police draw wrong conclusions. I often drive through a section of East Oakland that is known for great Mexican taco trucks and a lot of prostitution. An overzealous cop could easily misinterpret my love of tacos for a love of something else. And Linda Lai says the technology makes it easy to do that. In the pre-technological era, in addition to the Fourth Amendment, resources was a basic um, natural protection for privacy, that law enforcement simply didn't have the resources to compile detailed information about us unless they had a very good reason. Um, now it can be done on the basis of mere idle curiosity. There's also a very real question about how useful all this data is. One study suggested that nearly 40% of big police departments use such readers. But much like the NSA, which collects metadata from cell phones and elsewhere, law enforcement now has more information than it can realistically use. Plus, everywhere these readers are used, every car is likely getting scanned many, many times. Again, San Leandro's Mike Katz-Lacabe. Out of curiosity, um, I started making public records act requests. And they indicated with one vehicle, they were gathering about one million records a year. Now, San Leandro's a town of 85,000 people. Last year, the ACLU looked at data from Maryland and found that out of 42 million scans, the hit rate was 0.2%. Take out minor violations like expired registrations, and the hit rate goes even lower. For every million plates read, 47 were flagged for possibly being a stolen car. It's hard to know how other states stack up because there's so much secrecy around the use of these readers. I requested data on my car from the police departments in Oakland, where I live, Berkeley, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and my hometown of Santa Monica, California. Plus the sheriff's offices in nine counties in the Bay Area and Los Angeles. In some cases, such as the LAPD and LA Sheriff's Department, they refused to tell me whether they had such data at all. Earlier this month, the city of Piedmont, which is right next to Oakland, refused to give me the license plate reader records on my own car, citing privacy reasons. It seems that this technology is only going to grow, but it's also easy to get hung up on the use of license plate readers. New technology like facial recognition is being developed all the time, which will make it even easier to identify us by other means. And that makes me wonder if there's no expectation of privacy about where my license plate has been, what about my face? For Life of the Law, I'm Saruz Faravar. Saruz Faravar is the senior business editor at Ars Technica, a site that covers tech policy, law, science, gaming, and more. How has surveillance changed how we live with the law? Elizabeth Joe teaches criminal procedure at UC Davis Law School and says this increased use of surveillance and private policing is making many of us numb to the fact that we're all being watched. 
what's fascinating and was fascinating to me as a law student and, and still as a professor is that when you think about how the Constitution regulates the police, and everyone has some sense from watching movies and television um, that there's some role in of the Constitution in regulating what the cops can do, we never really get a whole other side of policing in America, and that has to do with private policing. And by private police, what I really mean are those people who are in malls, who are in amusement parks, who work in giant corporate complexes, who do all kinds of investigative work, but for private clients rather than for cities or counties or for the federal government. Um, we don't really know much about them. And it turns out that they there's not a lot of regulation over them. And that's always fascinated me because there's a huge world of police who are hired for private purposes um, and why is that the case in the United States in 2013? Um, why is there a shadow world of private police and there's really little that we know about it? So there is a whole world of folks who behave, look like the police, the public police, but they aren't public at all. They're everywhere we go and um, they control access to all many of the places we want to get to. They're deeply embedded in the places where we work. Um, and so they have a lot of potential control over our lives. And that question, which is a, really a question about social control, is the, the key to what's fascinating about private police. Because the real issue with private police, of course, is that when we think about public police in the United States, we think of policing in terms of a democracy. We permit the police to have the access to deadly force and to be able to impose uh, coercive force against us because it's a kind of idea of policing by consent. We expect public police to um, have a degree of transparency in what they do. And most importantly, we expect the public police to be accountable to us, whether that's through the appointment process of the chief of a police department or whether it's simply police departments being respons responsive to media criticism or civilian review boards. All of these mechanisms are there to ensure that the police are accountable to the people. What I'm really more interested in are the ways that private police have sort of changed our lives without us really knowing about it. We've become much more accustomed to surveillance of all kinds in our private lives, when we're in the workplace, when we're out in private spaces. We're much more accustomed to just not objecting to the idea that our belongings have to be searched before we enter certain places that we have to comply with certain rules of private order by people who look like police officers, but who are, again, are not public police officers. What I'm really interested in is this idea that in 2013, we live in a world where we're policed to some degree nearly everywhere we go. You know, we might be on the public street and we see public police officers. We might go to our workplace. We're policed in other ways. We might go for travel, leisure. We're policed in other ways as well. So. What's interesting to me is that our, I, the very idea of what it means to sort of be free from intrusion is a very different picture today than it was, you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago. And, and I, private police and their explosive growth have a lot to do with that. And this has a feedback loop to public policing, and I'll explain why that is. A lot of the development of Fourth Amendment law has to do, in some degree, to social expectations. And that's a, that's a fuzzy concept. What are social expectations? 
depends on how social developments go. But if in our private lives, we become more and more used to incremental invasions of our privacy, defined in a social sense, then why should we expect more privacy when it comes to the public police, if it's slowly being eroded in our private lives as well? Elizabeth Joe is a professor of law at UC Davis and is a member of Life of the Law's advisory panel. This podcast was edited by Alisa Roth with sound direction and production by Caitlin Prest. Life of the Law is produced by Mary Adkins, Katie Barnett, Julia Barton, Shannon Heffernan, Simone Siever, Jillian Weinberger, and Phil Wilt. The music you heard in this episode is by Lulatone. Life of the Law is funded by you, our listeners, and by the Open Society Foundations, with special thanks to Thomas Hilbink. Thanks also to the International Media Project, our nonprofit fiscal sponsor. If you'd like to make a donation or you'd like to become a sponsor, visit lifeofthelaw.org. Hi, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair. And we are the Mashup Americans. The Mashup Americans. <laughs> uh, think of us as your guide to the hyphen America world we live in. Are you first generation Korean American, married to a Colombian Mexican American, and making beige babies? Us too. Or do you speak three languages and eat Salvador and pupusas at Shabbat? Is Spanglish your best language? That's me. <laughs> uh, Spanglish is definitely your best language. Yeah, it was kind of a problem in graduate school. <laughs> eh, don't worry about it. We're, we're done with that. So we've got a new show here on the awesome Infinite Guest Network. You can go search for Mashup Americans in your favorite podcast app and check it out. We've got a great story about the mashup life of Donald Trump. Oh, and I just went to Margaret Cho's house to Netflix and chill. Kind of. <laughs> oh, my God. Vamos, let's do this. As we like to say, get to know yourself, America.